not the same at all, but because the little dog downstairs barks all the time. Mm. So now when it starts barking at me, I've started barking back. Okay. Just, just to... So it now thinks you're having a conversation. Yeah, but it works. It shuts up. Oh, so you've worked out how to say shut up in dog. Hello and welcome to What The Factual. I'm Jill Smith. I'm Pete Moore. <laughs> oh, you can't just laugh at me being able to say my name. We got, we got there, though. You we could, did. You could say your name. Thank you for joining us, lovely listeners. Uh, this is our fun, chatty podcast about history and traditions and light-hearted events that we think we know, but do we really? Hmm. Light-hearted being... So we've done World War One. Yep. <laughs> Henry the Eighth. And how we murdered his wives. Yes. Yep. Totally lighthearted. Uh, I can't even remember. Oh yeah, the New Year and Christmas. They were lighthearted. Although there were there's quite a lot of fire. There's a burning. lot of a lot of fire going on. And then those Vikings, they love yeah. that fire. So um, yeah, some lightheartedness. We're lighthearted, the events yeah. are not. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, then we're making light of serious events. Then we we're, are. I'm not we're not saying that. No, I'm leaning into that. Are you? I'm I'm Do making Light with of, of the dark. Okay. Mm. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not approving of making light of... Uh, we're trying to find the light in some darker stuff. There we go, stuff. that's what we're doing. Right. Yes. Fair enough, I'll go with yes. that. So Jill, what have you been up to? How's your week been? It's been a fun one. I went and played some miniature crazy golf. Miniature crazy golf? I nice. don't know. It, it was yeah, a, mini like golf. Is mini crazy golf, golf and crazy golf the same thing? I mean, I've always thought crazy golf's not that crazy, is it? This it's is like pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. Go on. Okay, tell me the craziest hole that you had to play. So it turned out I was bizarrely good at this. Okay. And I I was as surprised as anyone. And there was one shot where you basically you hit the ball, and you have to get it up a ramp at yep. the back wall yeah and then you have to put an angle on it so it goes over and it falls into one of the slots and there's a tiny slot if you get it in you basically wipe your points because it's a skill shot and i got it in there first time hole in one very good that Who is you? good Who i mean that, that's do you know what? okay that does sound eccentric yes i wouldn't say crazy I think crazy golf would be like, you know, the ball is like a bomb. That's insane. Well, yeah, I said crazy. There was one where you had to balance the ball on the putter. Yeah. You had to balance it on the putter and you, you lifted it like up and over. Like um, like the steady hand game. Yes, oh, the steady hand game. That's good. And then when the ball drops, then you hit it into the hole. Okay. This is crazier than I've seen before. It was pretty crazy. Because usually when, you know, when you go on holiday somewhere in Britain, I would say, mm -hmm. and there's a crazy golf and you mm -hmm. go over and you go, well, basically it's just the, the, the hole has got like a corner in it and you have to bounce the ball off a piece of wood that's been there for 40 years and it's soft because it's rained. Yeah. That's, the, that's my idea of crazy golf and it's just not crazy. It's just annoying. <laughs> it's just annoying golf. Annoying golf. <laughs> and at best eccentric but yeah okay well that's pretty good um oh well, quite a busy week um i had a visitor friend staying over the well i say friend a bit of work had a bit of work on this week um with a well it was like just a promo uh commercial with 
I mean, NDA would say, I can't really tell you who it was with, Ooh. but let's just say she was big, probably A-list in the 90s. Oh, wow. She's still up there. And yeah, she was really nice. So that was Good. earlier in the week. And then, yeah, just a bit of a chilled few days with a friend of mine. Nice. Not, yeah. So neither of us have been to the theatre this week. I have not been to the theatre this week. Really, That's a is... very tenuous link into our topic. <laughs> That's your segue. That's my segue. I'm sticking with it. I like it. So this week we are talking about Shakespeare. Yay! Ooh. And I it's a bit of a... I love Shakespeare. Do you really? I, I mean, I say that facetiously, but I do. I don't just... I just don't know. You know, I did it at school and I'm not very knowledgeable, I'm afraid. I've been to Stratford Uparnavan. <laughs> Uparnavan? <laughs> Yeah, that's how... Have you never heard it said like that? No. Uh, <laughs> Stratford Uponavon. Or that bit in Shrek where Donkey's like, we're Cestershire. <laughs> yes. And that's I mean, Leicestershire. I mean, they're definitely <laughs> misspelt. But also, this is very London. There are certain places in London that I say wrong, and it's only when you're in the tube that you're like, oh, that's how you say that. Example. Ho Marleybone. 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 Do you say Marleybone? Yeah. I've always said Marylebone. Yeah. It's Marylebone. What about H-O-L-B-O-R-N? Yeah, Holborn. I'd say Holborn, but it's Hoban. Hoban. I don't think you say the L. The English language is... Super fun. Eccentric. And a lot of it we can still, to this day, attribute back to our man Shakespeare. Our Willie. Our Willie. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's Billy Shakespeare. Billy then. Shakespeare. Our Billy. So... Is there much you know about Shakespeare? I will tell you the facts I do know. Mm -hmm. Born and died in the same month. The only reason I know this, 23rd of April. Mm -hmm. It's my dad's birthday. Ah. Yes. So I did know that. And I knew that he was born in Stratford-upon-Avon. Mm -hmm. um, I know about the Globe. So he moved to London. Mm -hmm. And he wrote a load of boss Plays and sonnets and things that people really respect who wear blazers with leather elbow pads in schools. Mm. <laughs> Beyond that, Romeo and Juliet. That's one of them. Yep. And Macbeth. <gasps> Scottish play. Yep. And Tempest. Yep. I've read The Tempest, I think. So maybe I know more than I Thoughts. You definitely know more than you think. Yeah, it's all coming back. Um, the, you thought I'd have researched this, <laughs> but yeah. No. So as a literature lover and a history lover, for me, this ticks so many boxes. Yeah, you are smiling my, widely. My little, the little synapses in my brain, they're like, poof, poof, poof. they're all, they're all firing off. <laughs> so some context. Uh, mm -hmm. So Shakespeare was 1564 to 1616. As you say, April to April. Yep. Um, they don't know for sure his exact birth date, but they reckon it was probably around the 23rd of April. Um, yeah, so not much is known about Shakespeare's life in general. Um, we know a lot about, obviously, his plays and his legacy and his works, his poetry. However, especially his early life, apart from things that were like registered at the town hall and that side of things... There just isn't much information, so so mm. much of it is guesswork. But I've picked out a few things that I just think are really 
interesting. And I also love how he stood the test of time. Mm. And I, I have a few, few little facts to throw in about that as well. Um, so this is, <laughs> the year is 1564. <laughs> I can picture it. <laughs> it's the Elizabethan era. Okay. Queen Lizzie is going strong. Um, Ginger Queen. Ginger Queen. Yeah. Which is probably a wig. Was it? They reckon hmm. so. Because um, sometimes with a lot of women, makeup was lead-based. So right. you could lose a lot of hair. And both men and women wore a lot more makeup back in the day. That's a little aside. <laughs> um, so yes, early Shakespeare. So we know that he was born and raised in Stratford-upon-Avon. Um, his father used to be a leather worker and then later a bailiff, which is basically like the equivalent of the mayor. So we can deduce... He didn't go banging on people's doors going, pay your bills. He didn't have to. He had a man to do that for him. Ah, right. Well, that's a bailiff, isn't it? <laughs> yes, but that's... This is like... Modern bailiff. Yeah, Got exactly. Um, so if his father was this public figure in the town of Stratford-upon-Avon, there's a very good chance he probably went to the grammar school there, mm. um, which would explain how someone who basically was a commoner became so well-versed and so well-written and so well-read. Okay. Uh, when he was 18, he married a lady eight years older than him, and she and the kids remained in Stratford-upon-Avon. Right. He went up to London to work, and it's not well documented what he got up to exactly. However, the very strong likelihood that he was treading the boards all over London, that he was probably acting himself. So he was an actor. Writing. He did act. He didn't just write... I, I didn't know. I don't think I knew that he was... I think it was a strong likelihood he probably did yeah. both. He, his love of the theatre must have mm. come from somewhere. Yeah, so this is a curious thing. So there's no direct connection anywhere. Um, but this he is was, the, I've heard there's the lost years that was a thing. Yeah, so it just wasn't very well documented, his early life. So apart from births and marriage and things that were recorded officially... Yeah. No one is 100% sure what he's up to. There's a suggestion that he got into the theatre world by looking after the horses of theatre goers initially. Clever. Uh, and from there, he obviously went from strength to strength. <laughs> um, 1592 is probably the first year that he's alluded to as a playwright. Right. Uh, he appeared in Green's Groatsworth of Wit. <laughs> Green's Groatsworth of Wit. The one and only. Good film. Um, and then after that, you know, his first poems appeared, his first plays appeared in the kind of subsequent years. Um, but yeah, there's a lot there that we're not for sure what he was actually up to. So he must have been, so having been an actor, if he'd moved down to, he was probably, you know, in digs somewhere, getting on with, hanging out with loads of other actors, probably signing on. Getting, <laughs> trying to find work, working in work a bar, a waiter, working in walkabout. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, As you do. Yeah. He eventually, he bought a theatre. He had his own... Bought room. a theatre. Uh, his theatre company, the Lord Chamberlain's Men, they're known as the King's Men after the accession of James I, which they were a part of. Mm -hmm. uh, so that company owned theatre, they owned their own actors or players and... Obviously, he was also writing the plays. He's a smart man, so he 
reinvests a lot of his money in property elsewhere, back in Stratford and in London. Right. He builds his own theatre, mm-hmm. and most notably, they take the timber down from the theatre that they have to build the Globe Theatre in 1599. Nice. Which is very famously Shakespeare's Globe. Yeah. Now, one of the things I loved... Still there now? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh. Not, no. But it no. is, but it is, but it isn't. It's well, I know that... Different. No, I know a fact about the Globe. So, very quickly, I just want to say that, so, that part of London, Southwark, uh, that side of London used to be kind of more down to earth. So, all the the royals and the nobles and that side, if you wanted to go and have a bit of a wild night out, you'd go to Southwark. Oh. So, that's where a lot of the theatres were. And so, you would know if there was a play on in the evening or not. Each theatre would put up a flag. So you would know which theatre did or didn't have a performance and oh, where to okay. go. That's how they did it. Um, and mm. the Globe, most notably, is open air theatre, literally in a circle, thatched roof, a few floors, the stage in the middle, and you can stand at the bottom. But then also you can sit on the rows going up. Yep. So what's your fun fact? Well, I happen to know that the the Globe Theatre burnt down. Um, this is thanks to uh, a guy called Johnny who's on Instagram, mm-hmm. Bowl of Chalk. Mm-hmm. That's his username. Very good. Worth a follow. Um, and the Globe Theatre, during one of the performances, and was, it, this was quite late, I, I mean, Shakespeare must have still been going because it was like 16... 13. 13? Yeah, it? so, so he was still active. He was, he had technically just retired. So this was just after... He had retired. Just started claiming his pension. Mm. Coming back to Stratford, living <laughs> a quiet life. Right. Um, but the only thing I know is that the reason it burnt down was because they were trying to recreate the sound of thunder. Mm-hmm. And they used cannons. Brilliant. It's the only option. Exactly. However, they weren't stupid enough to use real cannonballs, but they that did... That would be crazy. That would be crazy. But they did use gunpowder and wadding which immediately set a fire to the thatched roof and everyone got out. I don't think anyone was killed, but the whole building burnt down in about an hour. Wow. Yes. So wow. we've learned something there. Don't Let's use cannons not for use sound cannon effects. in a flammable building. Yes. I mean, it was rebuilt, I think. Is yeah, in right? the same year they rebuilt it. Oh, wow. Yep. Um, but then this would have been, yeah, 1613. Mm-hmm. Didn't stand the test of time. But then in the 90s, uh, Sam Wanamaker basically funded oh, yeah. and rebuilt the globe that now stands near the Thames in London, so, which I highly recommend. I try and go to a show every summer because it's open air and it's lovely. Nice. And it's never not I fun. have not been. I really wish I could say I had. It looks I, great and I yeah. want to go. But they always put Shakespeare stuff on and I can't understand it. Do you know what? New Year's resolution. It's not too late for one. No, never too late. Uh, I'll go to a Shakespeare play at the Globe. Brilliant. Yeah. I'm going to stick to that. That's a great, that's a great resolution. Highly recommend. We could go together. We should. You could, we should. You can educate me or slash translate. So I, I'm a bit of a, um, well, you'll, you'll have to ask my friends, but. Oh God. Because I love it. Right. And I, I get quite into it. So you're going to be the one that if I start going, Jill, what are they talking about? You'll go, 
get out just go leave me alone I'm, don't affect the performance you're a purist I, I can be quite a purist you're gonna sit about three rows away from me the, the, no, they're just there are just certain rules of thumb. Okay, let's go on. Right, rules to go to see a Shakespeare play with Jill. What do I have to observe? So normally, if I can, I will give you a copy of the play before, oh my. so you have a rough idea, okay. just so you know what you're going into. Because if not, <gasps> it can get confusing. Can I watch the film? Yes, that's also fine. Okay. It's just so you know the story. Or I'll, or if we go for a drink before, I will basically give you a heads up of the story. Because Fair. I mean, I, I'm like, the dialogue is brilliant, but complex. I will need that. I'd appreciate that. Yeah, I think it's a good thing. Yeah. The reason I say I'd give you a copy of the book is um, I have some of the Shakespeare plays in manga version. And okay. I honestly think they are brilliant. That's it's a good one. such a good way to read them. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> Um, so I normally lend them to whoever I'm going to see, whatever I'm going to see with. Okay. And How many Shakespeare plays have you seen? I, I basically try and go every summer. So for the last couple of years, I've seen at least one at the Globe every summer. So it was The Tempest the other year. Oh, yeah. This year was A Midsummer Night's Dream. What's your favourite? If you had to pick one Shakespeare play. I think The Tempest is definitely up there. See, this is I read that and I can't really uh, remember bit, it now but reading a play is hard you've got to see a play yeah you know? you but know? we studied it at school this is the thing i, I mean i guess so like, this is the studied. thing that kills me about shakespeare is he studied what well, it's also the same thing with my love of history you learn it in the classroom in such a way it doesn't have always depending the best most entertaining way of looking at things mm. and the thing about Shakespeare is he has stood the test of time for so many different reasons and I almost feel that sometimes it's a little bit lost because you have to study it at school and you're kind of forced to and it doesn't always make the most sense and well it's not it's it I mean I'm not being ignorant by saying it's no. hard to follow it is yep. for, for young people especially Absolutely. to get your head around some of the language and I know the it's language, an obvious thing to say, but there's but certain also, bits. If you're not watching it being spoken and said, when you're just reading it, it it's really hard to visualise. Mm. So I'm. This is why I like my my comic, my manga comic book versions, <laughs> because they're very visual, so you can see who's uh, yeah, saying yeah, what. Yeah. And there's also a way of reading it that makes more sense. But even then, the words we don't use some of those phrases today. A lot of phrases from Shakespeare we use day to day. It's become really, really part of our language, which I love. I would like you to give me some examples. Are you ready? Yes, please. Uh, break the ice. Okay. Came from Taming of the Shrew. A wild goose chase. <laughs> it's from yeah. Romeo and Juliet. Um, the world it? is my oyster. What what was the pre what was the situation? I don't know. <laughs> Give me the exact bit of dialogue where is it in, not enough. It's in Act Two, Scene Four. Is it, so I know I, I can imagine this. So in Romeo and Juliet, Romeo's going to his mates. Oh, I'm trying to date this girl called Juliet, but you know what? It's like a wild goose chase. Is that the bit? Is that the bit that in the film? Just like that? No. I mean, obviously he was from Verona. No, yes. was he from Verona? Yeah, both, both from Verona. Yeah. Tell of yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what's the start of it? Two houses, both... Um, yeah, the Capulets and the Montagues. Yeah, in, in, in Fair Verona, where we lay our scene. 
There you go. I remember that. Look at all those Shakespeare. I want to get. I've not been to Verona. Um, The world is my oyster. Is another one. All that glitters isn't gold. All that glitters isn't gold. Mm, A a foregone conclusion. That's to to wear your heart upon your sleeve. Okay. Um, Green-eyed monster. Envy. Uh, Yep. Uh, What's done is done. I mean, that's you can't. What he created that phrase. What's done is done. In that context, yeah. It is what it is. Did he create? It is what it is. No, that's way more. That's that's from Love Island, isn't it? It's what it is, mate. <laughs> it's it's the what it is. Same. It means the same thing. What's done is done is stating the bleeding obvious. Sure, but he's so we're, we're, it he's going down in my estimation if he came up with that. But that's why you say it now. <laughs> <laughs> no, because now I say it is what it is. Uh, cruel to be kind. Too much of a good thing. Hmm. Uh, neither rhyme nor reason. Okay, that's Haven't good slept one. a wink. That was John Lennon. <laughs> but we'll, we'll let him have it. We'll let Shakespeare have it. So the thing that really gets me is, as you say, we learn all this stuff at school. And it's kind of like, how has one writer had such an impact all around the world? Like, mm. his are the most translated and most published plays still. Mm. And there's all these different theories like the university of liverpool did an experiment that basically monitored brain activation when somebody's reading shakespeare right and it literally excites your brain <laughs> i think my my brain would just be going <laughs> someone's poking you like pete yeah what oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah wait pete i'm afraid to tell you when you were reading shakespeare you uh, you weren't really alive. So one of the things is, for example, because he might use a noun as a verb, so instead of, like, he might use the phrase to mouth instead of to speak. So he got it wrong. He's playing with syntax. Mm. I, um, when I got, when I played with syntax at GCSE English, they put a big cross next to it. Well, you should have said, hey, this is what my man Billy did. And... Yeah. That was the, yeah, they wouldn't they wouldn't have let me off with that. But he okay. also he flicks between poetry and prose, which our brains are like, oh, which is it? What's he going to do? What's the? Oh, just don't even know. Um, see, what he, you see as excitement, I see as confusion. Well, so this is the thing: it's your brain on a very deep level Gets responds it. to that. Yeah, okay, I get it, that. it might you consciously or unconsciously might like it or unlike it, mm. but deep in your brain, it has a reaction. And that is a reaction that doesn't happen in a lot of I, literature. I do get that. I do know what I will completely agree with is when you hear someone really delivering Shakespeare, mm. some a beautiful voiced actor giving yep. a, a deli- delivering Shakespeare, and you don't know what on earth they're on about if you don't know what they're on about, and it still sounds attractive and interesting and intriguing you mm. want to find out what they're on about and uh, yeah i do appreciate that did you see recently it was probably before christmas dame judy dench on i think it was graham norton no she just they sparked into a a, a a i'm not sure whether it was what it was which part of shakespeare it was from but she was talking about shakespeare and how mm. much she loved it and 
he just said, oh, can you just give us some? And they, the room obviously just went silent and she just delivered this perfect... Oh, I bet she was brilliant. Oh, it's beautiful. It's worth looking oh, at. Oh, she's so yeah. good. And this is the thing. So it still stands up. Like, even if you kind of don't really get it, there's a part of your brain deep down that is like responding to it and reacting to it. So this thing that is in Shakespeare's writing is called a functional shift. And it's basically the effect it has on the brain is kind of like a magic trick. You know what the trick is, but you don't know how it's done. Okay. So your brain is like getting, having all these responses and getting all this excitement from reading and and hearing these words in a certain way. Mm. Um, It's really fascinating because it's actually, it can basically make new new pathways in your brain and kind of it's re- it's genuinely very good for your brain it can actually move and change them away from old and aging mental habits is something that they discovered which so is fascinating so it's stimulating parts of the brain yeah on a very deep health level and health giving health giving benefits to so reading shakespeare is good for your health yes right let's all read more shakespeare um also as well when you're looking at it in another way uh, the impact that he had he was one of the first writers to kind of combine genres so for example romeo and juliet he made science a ro- fiction <laughs> mixed with medieval war that um what, which play is this <laughs> fifth element so he took for example romeo and juliet he took romance and made it a tragedy i mean all romance is tragedy Wow. <laughs> Eventually. Learning, learning a lot. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> well, all right. No, okay. Maybe not that extreme. But yes, no, it's great. Real mean, Juliet. Um, I see what you're saying. He also used speeches and soliloquies. Previously, they had just been for an event or information. And he used them to reveal the character's mind and thoughts, which then made them very oh, relatable. Being stupid. What's soliloquy then? Uh, just a... No, you're not being stupid. That's quite a... Narrative? It's, no. it's a single person speech. Oh. Um, and a really interesting thing is he... In a lot of his plays, there's a lot of travel and a lot of description of other places like Egypt, Italy. And yet there's no evidence that he ever travelled. Potentially, wow. in the lost years, there are suggestions that maybe he was a soldier or some kind of merchant and traveled to other places which is how he knows but it's fascinating that for someone who it would seem had no background in the theater Mm. went to a grammar school which is a very good school but he didn't go to university or anything Mm. kind of had no financial backing in that sense did he travel didn't he travel but he managed to repeatedly create these works that captured the imagination sort of turned the genres on their head. He naturally wrote in this fascinating way with playing around with nouns and verbs and, and prose and poetry and syntax and, and, and the way he puts a sentence together, it kind of really captures the audience, mm-hmm. even now. I wonder if, like, I know you said in, you know, there's, there's obviously a period of time that he that we don't know where he was or what he was up to. And he was obviously seeing the world in some way, whether it was just in London or what, Mm. but he will have come across people who have traveled and will have come from places like Italy and stuff. So he Mm. might've just done his research and got 
because I mean, obviously, the obvious one is Romeo and Juliet being Italian based. I never thought about that, that he's not even necessarily been to Verona or even Italy and seen the culture and the way. Mm. But then. And yet he describes it so very well. Yeah. And also, the phrase history is written by the victor, he wrote historical plays and they almost became kind of folklore, as it were. They, they became. The accepted history of Yeah. Really? So like Richard III. Um, in his play as a very evil man and that is for a long time how he was remembered it's only now that we're saying well he lost to Henry VII so maybe that's why we re- we remember him as did evil. he ever explain why he was in a pub in Leicester there was a battle nearby and he had a fight after yeah. a few too many discarded beers discarded him that's not in the play then that he went to a pub in Leicester well I don't know maybe I've not read it I don't think I've read that one <laughs> Just say no. I'm pretty sure it's not. <laughs> well, I feel like they do go to public houses. Oh, um, fair enough. You know. Yeah, I mean... I, well, I digress. I digress. Sorry, I'm doing that questioning thing again. When he died in 1616, he has an inscription on his grave. So he was buried in Stratford-upon-Avon. Mm-hmm. And the final lines on it are, Blessed be the man that spares these stones, and cursed be he that moves my bones. And no one has ever moved that grave or even... Okay. I don't know what the, the spares, the, but why would... Uh, like, as in, you, you keep the gravestone as so it is. So they've never moved from yep, that Yeah, so he's still there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, but, that makes sense. Um, no one was going to move Shakespeare's Well, Poets Corner at Westminster Abbey... Um, you know, like this. I mean, he must have a mention there. He is, yeah. He he does get some <laughs> honorable mention. mention. Yeah, fair um, enough. But yeah, he's he's. Oh he's well, he's still... where he wanted to be. And do you think did he write that line before he died for I his own? Would imagine so. Yes. Yeah. So his last work. <laughs> his his final work, if you will. Is that prose or a poem? It's a poem, isn't it? It's a poem. It's a, it's a du- duplet. Duplet? Rhyming couplet. Couplet. God, you're so <laughs> I'm insufferable. <laughs> no, but I'm not going to watch a play with you. Yes, you are. Because <laughs> then, you'll know the story beforehand. What's the point of going to the play then? Well, no, because everyone Aren't I knows... going to be told a story? Everyone knows Shakespeare. What? Like, like you what? know the story. Ask me a question. Ask me a play and see if I know the story. Romeo and Juliet. Don't know. Oh, yeah, I do know. <laughs> Well, I know it doesn't end well. Yeah. I mean, they were so young as well, weren't they? Yeah, well, because the cynic in me argues that they were just being irrational teenagers and that. Whoa, you've just demolished Romeo and Juliet. Is it romantic or are they just a bit stupid? I don't know. Whoa, (laughs) double down. Yeah, I'm I'm done. How old were they when they died-ish? You're going to have to look. I mean, 16, 17. Wow, yeah, okay. I mean, they shouldn't have been <laughs> what was quite the, as serious, maybe, at that age. What was the phrase that I loved? It was like, because um, it, it took space over three days. The whole story? The whole story. Oh, this is so, ludicrous so, now. So, yeah, this is two teenagers. So both their parents are going, come on, it's an infatuation, calm down, don't worry about it. Yeah, in the space of three days caused something like six deaths. Oh, mm. yeah, that's a bit bizarre. That's, uh, I didn't know that. 
<laughs> Surprisingly, <laughs> to, another thing I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I thought it was over. Oh, romantic, eh? <laughs> I mean, it was a few hours in that film. Yeah. Baz Luhrmann. Is that the best one? Do you reckon? Uh, ooh, what are the others? What you How many? Who, I've only seen the Baz Luhrmann one. DiCaprio. I, I was more thinking that there are some really pared down versions of the Shakespeare plays. Like there's a really great one of Othello where Ian McKellen is Iago and it's a really pared back production, but the acting and the line delivery is just brilliant. So you don't just go to the theatre, you watch them at home as well? No, just when you study them, you know. And you by the way, the, that, if you watch... Oh, I think, every time I try and tell you to watch something, you go, oh, I'm, I'm reading. So you have I, watched uh, some yeah. films. Oh, yeah. But I, I just... I read more than I watch stuff. So... That's why you're sat where you are and I'm sat where I am. <laughs> no, it's just how my brain works. Like, I think some people are more visual. I'm less visual. So... I, uh, well, I can't read, so that doesn't make me visual. But you, you like I listen visual to mediums. Oh, I see. More what you mean. than maybe that's not being visual then, but I don't know. What, I don't know what uh, it's no, called. No, I don't know what it is. But it's, it's like basically like you know, different brains work different. Mm-hmm. Like one, one some of my, work better than others is what you're trying to say. One of my uh, <laughs> colleagues said to me the other day, and I think this is brilliant. He was like, oh. I saw that you're doing a podcast. Mm. That's great. I don't listen to podcasts, but good luck. (laughs) (laughs) This is so good. We need need luck. Everyone needs some luck. Yeah. So, I mean, if you want to know how to get good luck, go back and listen to our New Year traditions episode. There's a lot of luck involved in that. Yeah, and we are now the luckiest people. We've had so much good luck since then. How was your 2nd of January talking of which? survived nothing terrible happened i did that's good so back at william shakespeare we did veer off there for a second Mm -hmm. what's so why have you you obviously suggested him as a as a subject and you're obviously a big fan big fan and i also i just think there's so little known about him and yet and he was so long ago and yet his work is so relevant even today and, and he's the benchmark. Yeah. Is against all other, not all writers, I guess. But I mean, well, playwrights. I would say all... for a lot of writers, everyone is influenced by him yeah. to some capacity. And his culture and the way he writes, it goes all around the world. Shakespeare, for me, he's one man, but now he's more than the sum of his parts. Yeah. And I just, I find it so fascinating how his work, his legacy has lived on. And even now, even when I've read it or seen it, I still love like the impact of some of his quotes and some of his lines and some mm. of like what, when you see his work performed really well. And that's because I now know that part of my brain, it hits on a really deep level as well as, mm, and the more, in the conscious part of my brain, I just enjoy it. Yeah. Well, I like that you're uh, as passionate about it as you are. Mm. But I'm still not going to watch the play with you. <laughs> it sounds like a very intense experience. But fun. Fun, intense. 
Yeah, but I feel like after you know the best thing about going out to the theatre is like afterwards you have a drink and you discuss what you've watched. Oh yeah, that would just be so. Pete, what did you make of it? And I'll just be like, the 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 acting was good, but I don't know what they were saying. And I, f- oh. I, f- I do you know what I might be this this might be a valid point that I'm actually making here, which is. It, it divides people. So people are people who go and listen to it and go, I have no idea what's going on. Why is yeah. it? And you get, you get simplified versions of Shakespeare because obviously there's no denying that a lot of the stories are brilliant. A lot of the, the points and the sort of social commentary in plays is important and good. However, the accessibility of it mm. means that some people, and I guess myself included, just would say it. it's not that I don't I obviously I get the elements because I appreciate all those things I've just said but the thing that kind of does put me in a position with going to like going to see a play with you obviously you know Shakespeare way better than I do and I do I mean I love the language and I love seeing great actors deliver it like I said before it's you know even if you don't really know what they're talking about I massively appreciate the beauty of it. And and it does affect you. So I do get that. However, I was listening to, I mean, I'm a big fan of Steve Coogan, Rob Ryan, mm-hmm. The Trip, and they always quote, there's lovely bits in, of Shakespeare yeah. that they always quote. And one of them was from Hamlet. And I was like, I want to know the sort of context of these quotes. So I bought a copy of Hamlet and then started reading it. And I, honestly, I just don't, my brain, whatever it is, my brain doesn't follow the... And this, I mean, I'm also a bad example because I'm not a great reader anyway, and I've said this in mm-hmm. the past. I listen to audiobooks and I love stories and, like, you know, I, I struggle to get through an actual paper book, yeah, which is pathetic in this day and age. But anyway, <laughs> but... So I started reading Hamlet and I was going, I, I just... It just doesn't flow for me it doesn't i i've i've not got that skill so therefore and i think that has been leveled at shakespeare in the past is it's sometimes seen yeah. as less accessible i think because the language is so archaic um and it's quite easy to get lost in it mm. and it is a tricky it's not it's not straightforward mm. i think it's one of those things that when you persevere with it you get an appreciation for it that's and, it, isn't it? and when you have that appreciation you're like oh wow okay i get this now but it's not um it's a patience thing i think because if you've got the patience to kind of i would say it's not. an acquired taste it's like you know a fine wine <laughs> mm, everyone likes a fine wine it's like a like a whiskey it's not for everyone yeah but if you have a really good whiskey i think that can convert even the most anti-whiskey drinkers i've got you so we're going to go. You okay? I'll agree. Mm-hmm. I'll come with you to watch a Shakespeare play, mm-hmm. and then afterwards we're drinking loads of whiskey. Yeah, deal. Done. Done. Right, you've converted me. That's our plan then. <laughs> we got there in the end. <laughs> so now I'm a Shakespeare fan. Now you're a Shakespeare. Okay. Fan. So I've got to watch Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet again. Yeah. Uh, I'm out. I'm going to lend you some manga Shakespeare. Oh, yeah, yeah, I like the sound of that. Comic Shakespeare. Yep. Right. We'll go to the Globe in the summer. Yeah. Done. 
It's time for Chew the Fact. So this is the section of the show where we have a little quiz based on a historical nugget and the other person has to work out the answer and will get points accordingly. So the score is currently 4-1 in my favour and the loser has a forfeit to do at the end of the series. So no pressure, Pete, but pressure. I mean, this doesn't bode well because if you win this... Mm -hmm. It's all over, isn't it? 5-1. Oh. So this is the crunch. Oh, we're at crunch time already. Yeah. So even if I win episode six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Oh, my maths is terrible. Hang on. How does that work? So it's not crunch time, is it? My maths is wrong. It's 5-1. So I'd have to get all four of the remaining points and it'd be 5 all, And then we'd have like a... But if I win today... Oh, yes, so of course. It crunch so it time. is crunch time. Oh. It might be crunchy time. No, 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 no. That's what I mean. 4-1 now. So even if you go 5-1. Oh, sorry. sorry. No, but I thought it was... No, it's 4-1 now. This is episode six. So we've got five. Jill, <laughs> keep up. Okay. You have four points. Yes. I have one point. Yes. That's we have five. five and this is Which means there's still five six. points remaining. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. If I get all those five, I will have won six, four. Yes. So what you have to get to six, but you're not on six, you're on four. So. I mean, you're, you're almost asleep by the amount, the, time, <laughs> the, the, the maths I'm trying to give you here is not that difficult. Really more of a history person than a maths person. Yeah, all right. Well, I'm neither. And I'm trying to explain. So it's not crunch time. Not crunch time. If you go 5-1 up, I can still draw 5-all, you see? Yes. And then we have a tiebreak. And it's 4-1 right now. Okay. So it's not crunch time So it's kind of crunchy, but not crunch time. It's close to, yeah, like the best I can hope for is a draw if you get this right. But then we'll have some sort of, you know, tiebreak situation, Mm -hmm. I'd say. Or we just both do a forfeit, or we both don't do a forfeit. If it's a draw, maybe we just call it, you know. Tie break, tie break, tie break. Yeah, you're one of them. (laughs) Okay, so. Okay, here we go. We are chewing the fact. uh, Chew the fact, but there's there's two little sections to it, because we've obviously been talking about theatres. Yes. So my first question would be, this isn't the, the main chew the fact, but do you know why the green room is called the green room? No. It's really, really complicated. Was it painted green? Correct. No, but why? To calm the actors before. It was a calming colour. <laughs> like they're wild cats. <laughs> and they need to be yeah. calmed down. They was going, I'm in such a bad mood. I'm trying to have, Would you like to come into this room and uh, just relax? Oh, it's nice and green. Ah. <laughs> Love that's that. exactly what, yeah. I mean, that's my idea of what an actor's voice would sound like. That, that is all the actors. Yes. <clears throat> so that was that was just an aside because okay. I thought of that while I was researching the actual question. Oh, so okay. that's the actual question does have something to do with our main man, Mr. Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. So back in his era, which we've established was the Elizabethan. Yes, um, where the theatres were. Bit rough. Mm-hmm. Loads of people going out to the theatre. Big night out. Loads of people there you know, pickpocketing, crime. There was lots of theft in the area. So 
they were obviously trying to keep their takings for mm-hmm. the night secure. So when the people would give their money to go into the theatre, they had to do something with all this money mm-hmm. because it was, you know, quite a lot, I'd assume. Yeah. So they came up with this scheme which involved, um, you know, like containers in which to keep this money. Yeah. Can you guess what the name of the room was that they kept all the money for their takings? And I'll give you a clue. It's a term that we still use today. Does this have anything to do with the earlier question? What was the earlier question? About the green room. No. Uh, I mean... I was going to say green room. Ah, no. Oh. It has something to do with the green room in that it's a theatre phrase that we still use today. And when you think about it, you'll probably get it. I feel like it's dancing just out of reach. Got another clue, but it might mean that you forfeit the point if I give you this clue because you'll probably get it straight away. No. Okay, you want to get it? Yeah. I like the competitiveness. I'm going to have to hurry you. <laughs> we haven't got copyright for the countdown music. Um, no, I don't know. Well, think along the lines. I mean, I'm afraid I'll have to not give you the point. Okay, but, that's fair. And I, I, I do apologise because my asking of it has been incredibly vague. Because as soon as I tell you what they used as the containers you will get it straight away. Okay. They were just simply boxes and then they would lock themselves in an office to count all the money in the takings and that room is the box office. Uh, Which is why you go to a box office to buy tickets for the theatre. Oh, I love that. That's so good. It's a good one. That's a really good one. I mean, I tried, it was very tenuous and I didn't know how to turn it into a question. No, I think you. I think that worked. Yeah. It's only obvious the containers, it, The container office wouldn't have worked, you see. But as soon as I said, oh, well, they put the money in boxes. But I was thinking money box, but I didn't connect Ooh. box office. Yeah. So, there you go. Well played. So, five... No, four, two... Four two. I even why can't we just keep score? <laughs> it's we the hardest to, part. In this room in which we record, we'll have to put a massive scoreboard on the wall so we know who's got what. You can chalk it off every week. Yeah. <laughs> so four two to you, and I'm on my comeback. It's uh, it's going to be a landslide. Six four victory. Oof, that forfeit is looking dangerous now. Well, it's closer. <laughs> Oh, well, thanks for telling me all about Shakespeare. And we are going to go and watch a yeah, I'm play gonna... together and we will report back on one of our future episodes. Yeah, I'm going to drag you do... along. You're going to have some fun. Well, it won't be dragging. But I, you know what, I'm, this is not committing to anything, but our second series of What the Factual, which we are intending to do, because, you know, it's all been signed, sealed, contracts have been signed um we could do we'll be spring summer mm-hmm. uh we could actually do episodes and recordings from out in the field oh so maybe we road. could even do a little section in like, at the globe or something wow yes, I mean? yeah i mean your face was looking a little bit negative no, because my, my stomach made a noise oh that's all <laughs> all right 
I thought you were really bad. against that no, idea. No, I you guys, I don't want to go out and do any recording, beat. But it was because your stomach was going to rumble. It was really noisy. Yeah. Yeah, but there we are. I think we could. That could be a a future. Yeah. Venture. I think that's a good a good plan. Right in. If anyone's got any other any ideas for us to go on the road, what yeah. the factual on the road? As always, get research. In touch. Yeah. And thank you for listening, everybody. We'll be back again next week. We will. I've been Jill Smith. And I've been Pete Moore. And this was What the Factual. See you next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Get in touch at whatthefactualpod at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, latterly known as X, at whatthefactual. Or on Instagram, at whatthefactualpod. <laughs>